Hello and welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today, we have an exciting emerging brand called Hoppin. That is our feature. And with me today, I have Rich Moyer, who is the founder and the CEO of Hoppin Brands. Welcome, Rich. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right, so this is an exciting concept. Um, I have individuals that are interested in food and beverage, but they don't want to deal with, I mean, when you talk about a restaurant and so forth, it's so multifaceted with food, heavy equipment, and so forth. So what I love about Hoppin is you are in the food and beverage space, but you are not a restaurant. You are not a bar, but you are a high-tech tap room, which everybody loves their cocktails, and that's what you feature. So give us the backstory on yourself and how Hoppin came to be. Yeah. I mean, fast forward just to go backwards pretty quickly and do everything in a very quick sense, but a high level. I started right out of high school in the golf industry, became a PGA golf professional and did that for six and a half years. Once I was in that world, all my members either owned their own business or they were in sales. So I quickly realized I was on the wrong side of the counter. That led me into, all right, well, how do I get out of this industry and get into sales? Sales led me into starting my first company at 25. I sold that company two months into my fourth year. And that was kind of my trampoline to what I say, trampoline to success. It allowed me to invest in other things and start hopping and a couple other businesses. And 2017, when I sold my first company, uh, the idea of hopping, the technology was brought to me by a friend at the time. And I just noticed that Charlotte needed something like this because it was, it would have been the first in the market. We were first in the market and it was tech-based and it eliminated 95% of a typical bar owner's headaches, which is, you know, people stealing overhead, uh, the amount of, if you have a full kitchen, the amount of time and energy that goes into trying to find staff, food waste, et cetera. So very fast. Um, I also invest in commercial real estate and tech, a few tech companies, and uh, I have a few other businesses with partners. But overall, started in the golf industry, Hopping was an idea that was kind of brought to me and I ended up turning it into reality. Our first location was a huge hit. And then we realized that this is a franchisable model. Incredible. I I just love everybody's backstory, a founder's backstory, because it's like, it's just a reminder that, you know, you don't have to be an expert in this space, um, you know, to, to be able to create something that like you have, I mean, a golf pro to now a franchise or and serial entrepreneur, as you shared. Um, Okay, so I love your background because it really captures what Hoppin looks like. And I had the pleasure of visiting your corporate location, um, I want to say a couple months ago when I was in Charlotte and another franchise brand actually was hosting an event and they chose your location for the evening event. And what was so cool about it, so you you are purely a tap room, but you can bring, you partner with um, food vendors 
to bring in food. So that evening, what I experienced at your location was live music. And um, there was a caterer that brought in kind of a Mexican um, theme. And uh, when we entered, we were given a, a bracelet. I don't know what your proper term for it is but a bracelet that we could use and we would access your self pores that are all along the back wall right behind you there in your your background yeah. so so talk me through i mean and this is what what i saw and experienced were people were playing games there were games that were were outside games that were inside a very interactive social environment that was very lively, vibrant, and really low overhead from in a from an owner standpoint. Yeah, yeah. So that's the model. I mean, I grew up. My parents in the restaurant industry. They were in the restaurant industry since they were thirteen, and then they owned their own restaurant. So I grew up watching them work twenty four seven, seven days a week. And that was one thing that I said to myself if I was investing a company that was in the bar and restaurant world that I would not do food for the simple fact of the headaches that it brings to restaurant owners. So the model was built for self-poor and then community driven to partner with local food partners. So we either have food trucks, uh, neighboring restaurants that provide a full menu and, or we do a food stall inside the space with a local food operator. Typically we'll take five to 10% of the gross revenue from them as an additional revenue stream. Um, but yeah, so when you check in self-poor, you get a RFID wristband, that wristband's attached to your credit card. You have access to 60 plus taps at every one of our locations. We do have games, whether it's darts, cornhole, uh, basketball, some of our locations have duck pin bowling. So depending on the market, we will push to have a little bit more square footage and have duck pin bowling if it's more family friendly or more corporate driven for corporate events. And it's a vibe. Uh, when we opened up, everybody was like, man, you got to do it better than the guy next door. And I said, we don't have to be better. We just have to be different. If we're different, it'll drive traffic. I can go get a McUltra at any bar in the city. Why am I going to happen? And that's a big reason we are successful, I believe, is to the consumer, we're an experienced company. We're like Disney or Chick-fil-A. Um, to our franchisees, we're a marketing company. At the high level, again, anybody can get a cocktail or a beer at any location or any bar. What, what separates us? Um, and we do a very good job of marketing. I love it. So how you, you mentioned square footage. What is the, the average or typical footprint of a hoppin? Yeah, I mean, lowest then we'd probably shoot for like 3,700, but we usually look for four to 5,000 if you're not going to do duck, duck pin bowling, and then five to 6,000 if you're going to have duck pin bowling. Okay. And then as far as uh, the self pour, are there, um, how are those products chosen? Is it up to each individual franchise location? What products they feature or are is some of that driven by corporate yeah so we'll give them full recommendations of here's what we know sells well every market's going to be a little bit different right every season is going to be a little bit different so understanding your market is very important our taps again 60 plus taps at every single location 
they're ever changing. So McUltra might be on one tap tomorrow. It might be a Yingling or it might be another logger. So the franchisees have full control of what they put on. The only thing that we highly suggest is working with local breweries and being local on the market, uh, having a very strong local brewery scene um, is important and having their stuff on is typically a win-win for one being part of the community and two your locals are going to want the local stuff as well as regional and stuff across the country and the world but yes they have full control we will give them you know detailed list of what sells the most throughout all of our brands or all of our locations and then the cocktail menus for full cocktail bars are ever-changing seasonally and that comes directly from us. Um, we will allow franchisees to have, you know, some different specials or maybe something's hot in their market that hasn't hit like on the West coast, maybe it hasn't hit the East coast yet. And they're like, Hey, this is really blown up over here. You guys should look at adding it to your location. We've done that uh, in the past. So really up to them to really understand their market and what's selling in their market. And this is also in, I mean, an additional revenue stream is then events. And that's exactly what I experienced. Um, the company that was hosting is called Rep and Brands. And they actually secured the Your Hoppin Charlotte location for a special event. And it was closed down to all others. So um, what percentage would you, have you experienced in Charlotte as far as special events such as that versus just your your standard business operations? Yeah, uh, we have two locations in Charlotte. One is a, a very similar concept. We just had a different name before we knew we were going to franchise. And that one actually is about uh, 20%, 25% of the total revenue is from private events. Hop in Charlotte is a little bit less because we do push most of the events to the other location. Um, Greenville is typically 15 to 20% of total revenue. So that's what I always tell franchisees, right? If you, if you want to be great, instead of just a good location, you're going to find a way to drive, you know, traffic for corporate events, private events, um, and then just social events, whether if it's a bridal shower or a bridal party. That's what will make you really, really successful, filling in those days where it's a little bit slower and doing, you know, corporations usually have a budget and typically that budget is more than what they're going to spend. So you give them a $5,000 minimum, they only drink $2,000 worth of liquor, you have $3,000 that go straight to the bottom line. And that's huge. I mean, that's that's a big play for all our franchisees to really grasp that it is important to drive local events to um to the tap rooms and then also partnering with foundations to do foundation driven events on those slower days oh absolutely i like that so you have you mentioned two corporate locations in the carolinas correct and then and i know you this this business was founded in 2017 you started franchising in 2022 can you talk us through how what your growth looks like to date from a franchisee standpoint? Yeah, we had our first one open June of this year in a, a small market in South Carolina, about 30 minutes south of Charlotte. We have two additional or three additional opening next year. One will be in Fort Worth, Texas. One will be in Dallas, Texas. One here in North Carolina. And then Virginia, depending on when, when they sign, they'll probably open up next year as well. And then we have a, a master agreement 
finalizing here hopefully this week or next week in Utah. And we have um, a very, very strong verbal agreement in Denver, Colorado that uh, confirmed yesterday. So growth-wise, the pipeline is very strong. We are planning on signing an additional five to six this year. And then next year, our goal is to sign um, anywhere from 15 to 20. And process-wise of actually opening, because it is brick and mortar, we have to find real estate and construction can range from 12 to 18 months in today's market, just with cities being so busy, trying to get permits approved, et cetera, and construction timeline just being a little bit delayed compared to what they were a few years ago. Well, congratulations, that's exciting. So what does your ideal, um, okay, before we go into what your ideal candidate looks like or franchise owner, um, what does the employee footprint look like? So let's take, uh, say, your Charlotte corporate location. Walk us through, you know, how many full-time, how many part-time, and what those positions look like. Yeah. So from the top down, uh, I've always believed that culture is the most important thing. And you look at any successful company from the leadership all the way down to the hourly employees, um, there's respect across the board. And for me, I've always flipped the triangle upside down. So the CEO is at the top. I put the CEO at the bottom. My hourly employees at the top, they're the most important. Those are the ones that are customer facing. And those are the ones that are, are going to continue to drive traffic into our tap room. Our focus is minimal staff. So we have anywhere from seven to 10 per location to full-time, which is your taproom manager and your assistant manager. You could potentially have a third full-time if it's going to be franchise, if the franchisee is going to be an investor and have manager driven. And that third full-time would be an event coordinator or event manager um, to go out and pick up event sales. And then you have the rest are, are part-time at $3 an hour. So overhead staffing is really low. On the flip side, it's easy to find really good people because they make on a bad day, $15 an hour in tips on a great day, $60 an hour in tips. So it's really not hard to find good people. And then um, there's really minimal staff. Like I said, you got seven to 10 we do have, I'd say, one or two people at each location that might work once or twice a year. You know, they started with us before they went to a full-time job, and they're like, hey, just keep me on the schedule. I'll pick up a shift every once in a while just because I love working with you guys. But overall, very minimal staff, easy to, to manage, and easy on the, on the bottom line. So you mentioned if it's an investor model. So I'd like to dive into that a little bit. Um, and going back to what you shared about your parents, you know, as restaurant owners uh, having to work 24-7 and it being such a laborious, uh, I guess, task for them. I mean, you, you pour your heart and soul into something when you build it. So I, I can completely envision that. But with your model, um, and given it's very low overhead, no food and no, well, no food, um, you definitely have the beverage <laughs> and plenty of it. Um, this very much can be, I mean, that you do not need to be an owner operator in this model. You very much can be an investor, have multiple locations and put a manager in place. So 
talk me through that a little bit and what that would look like um, for an investor that was a multi-unit owner. You know, what you would envision time-wise commitment, you know, on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah. And I I built this model once we started to really envision the franchise side of it. I built it for an investor manager setup, semi-absentee, because I worked my butt off to be able to get to a position that I'm in. And I worked for three, almost three and a half years of 24 seven, always on the phone. I was the guy that everybody had the contact. And I said, I don't want that lifestyle. So when this happened was built and we knew we were going to franchise, it's the model just makes sense. Um, but on the front end, there's, there's more time and effort in than once the location's open. On the front end, you're dealing with finding real estate, the construction, and we help throughout this entire process, but there is more time and energy on the front end. Once the tap room is open, it just comes down to being a good leader. Um, and how much time and energy you personally want to put into it is up to you. But <clears throat> my uh, suggestion and, and requirement is that you're available for your management team at each location. My goal is to have every single franchisee has multiple units. Uh, um, that's where it makes a lot of sense. One location can make a lot of money if it's in the right area and you're doing what you're supposed to do. Um, but multiple locations and the freedom to be able to work from anywhere is is the dream, right? That's we we do this to build freedom, and that's what I want to to try and build for all of our franchisees. So once the location's open, um, like right now, I have three locations plus franchising. And I, I probably only spend one, two hour meeting with my team um, and then just answering texts every once in a while if they need something. But it's once you have a really good manager, they run really smoothly. And is that a manager at each location or could a multi-unit owner, if the locations were, you know, geographically close in nature, could you have one GM per se that's overseeing multiple locations? Yep, that's how I have it set up. We have one main uh, regional manager, and then each individual location will have assistant managers slash partially assistant plat, partially taproom manager. Um, but yes, that's that's the goal. You have one regional manager that oversees all. <clears throat> they may work in in the tap rooms every once in a while, and then they'll just kind of brand standards, keeping up with making sure things are are ran the way that they should be ran. And then the other thing beneficial for investor, manager, setup, or semi-absentee is we handle all the marketing at the corporate level, which was a double-edged sword because if the location's not successful, they're going to be coming to us and say, hey, you guys aren't marketing well, um, but we know what it takes. And we also know that it's marketing is it's a special trade. It's ever-changing. Understanding what you have to do in the marketing world is very, very tough, especially in our, our business. So we want our franchisees and their managers to focus on the experience and we focus on the marketing. I love that. I love that because there's, there is definitely an art to that. And you guys have uh, proven out already at your corporate locations, you know, what that recipe is from a marketing. And this is very, uh, a very attractive, uh, model for social media, Instagram, and, and all of that to draw attention and gain awareness. All right. So with the self poor technology, one of the big benefits of this model is little waste. 
And you've also mentioned to me, um, you know, kind of a loss in profits due to some of your, the spirits maybe disappearing, you know, in other types of establishments. So talk me through um, that value proposition given the self-pour technology. Yeah, self-pour eliminates, like I said, a, a lot of the headaches that a typical bar owner would would go through. And one of them is the waste. And that's bartenders giving stuff away, over-pouring, or just, you know, don't know how to pour a beer. So they're just continually dumping out foam. And the national average is 23 to 24% of every keg is wasted. We average 3 to 4%. So we just gain 20% bottom line profit by not wasting every single keg. Um, on the flip side, we have some really strict rules. Um, you know, no drinking. If you drink on the job, you're gone. And then the second one is is no stealing. So no giving away alcohol. It's it's there's no strikes. It's automatic fire as soon as you get caught. Um, the third rule is is have fun. We have three simple rules, and it's very easy to to live by those rules. And we stick strictly to them. Uh, we actually tell staff if you're having a bad day we recommend you call us and say, hey, I need the day off. We can run with one less person with this model um, than having somebody in there that's just not, you know, not having a good day because we all have, we have, well, we all have bad days. But yeah, that, the waste and then the ability to look at my phone or pull up online exactly what every single person poured, what my staff poured, so on their staff cards, how much alcohol they were pouring out of there. You can keep track of anything that you need to. Um, the only waste there is is when you clean the lines, which we clean every two weeks. And then the other waste is if somebody does pour a drink and it's foam because they didn't know how to pour or keg kicked on them, our staff will go up and pour them three or four ounces and teach them the, the system. Incredible. I love it. Um, okay. Let's dive into now who your ideal investor, what does that individual look like? And really what skill sets would they need to be a successful owner of Hoppin? Yeah. So we actually have four, four kind of five different um, ideal candidates. Um, But the biggest skill set for all of them is leadership. We don't care. We actually don't want you to have a restaurant or food and beverage background. Um, Not that we don't want it, but we don't, we don't recommend it. We don't require it. And we think that leadership is the most important because if you're a good leader and you create a great culture, which is going to start with us and be trickled down to the franchisees and their staff, the business is very simple. I mean, I've owned and operated and sold and exited and failed on a lot of businesses. This one by far is the easiest once open to manage and, and operate. So leadership is by far the number one thing. And that's perspective and having a good personality and, and just being happy um, and being able to be there to support your team. Outside of that, we, we have the investor candidate that is looking for a good investment. They want to open up two, three, four, five locations. And that model is a little bit different for us when we approach it with them because they're they're they may be willing to spend more with our architect design team to handle the construction management, whereas a single unit operator might not spend that additional money and they might be more hands-on during construction. Um, but then we have that retiree that is retired, but they're not ready to retire yet. And they've always wanted to open up a bar or open up their own business. And then we have, we call them the ultimate host, which are typically women. We were very
very surprised when we started marketing that there are a lot of women that were like, this is right up my alley. And the ultimate host is somebody that just always wants to host at their house, have parties, is throwing events. That person is actually one of the best fits for us because it's just their dream and they're already doing exactly what we want, which is being a great host, being a great leader. Um, and then there's the couple that may have a child and or maybe not and they're newly married and they're both very successful in their careers and they're trying to find something to diversify in and invest in um, and whether that first location is they're keeping their jobs and they're they're investing like our our couple in fort worth texas they're investing in their first location and then later on they open up a second location and maybe they quit their jobs um so those are kind of the four that we really focus on and in our two-minute drill, we we break those down pretty heavily. Um, okay, just to wrap up, then um, total investment for Hoppin is between seven hundred fifty thousand and one million. And again, I mean, you know, the majority of that investment is going to be in your build out and the technology. I mean, that's where I see the heavy hitters in that. Yeah. And so net worth requirement, 500K, franchise fee of 59,995, and then your royalty, oh my gosh, it is low. It's 5%. Yeah. So I tell people typically you see six to 8% when I'm working with candidates, that that's really like the average you see. Why 5%? I mean, it's a blessing for investors, but how did you end up at 5%, such a low royalty? Yeah, I want all of our franchisees to really feel like they're winning. Um, if, if they're not winning, then we're not winning as a brand, right? And if they're bottom line, if that 1%, if they're doing a million two or a million eight, I mean, that that adds up. I mean, it's, it's not a ton of money, but it is on the flip side, if you have multiple locations, I mean, that, that adds up. So my goal especially early on was you know how can we make this fair to where it's reasonable and and we both win and at five percent we we do well on our side and the franchisees feel like well i'm not getting knocked over the head for these royalties um at six eight i mean some restaurants are nine percent plus a four percent or five percent marketing fee so we we kept our royalties a little bit lower in the future when we have 10 15 locations open you know that might sneak up to that six-ish percent, seven percent. So right now we we wanted everybody early on to one be the right fit, feel comfortable coming into the brand early on as early adapters, and then two, we want everybody to win. Uh, like I said, if, if they're winning, we're winning. And at the end of the day, it's a it's a community-driven brand, and our internal community is is the most important to be successful. Uh, so that's that's kind of the the driving matter there. But yeah, what a wonderful extension to your early investors. I, I think that's wonderful. So with that said, thank you so much, Rich, for joining me today and sharing um, about the Hoppin brand. I'm excited to bring some candidates your way and help the business grow, hopefully. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me and excited to expand across the country and be opening in the cities, whoever's listening, um, I'm sure we'll be there in the next few years. Absolutely. So for anybody that is interested in learning more about Hoppin, please feel free to reach out to me at Stacy at fusionfranchising.com. Thanks and have a great day.
Thank you.